Welcome to the FaithBridge Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the message. For more in-depth content and answers to questions submitted during the sermon, check out our podcast called Postscript. You can find it on iTunes or on our website at faithbridge.org forward slash podcast. I see all of you today. I want to extend to you a warm FaithBridge welcome, whether you're coming to us uh, here at uh, the Klein campus, uh, Center Court East, Center Court West, or if you're with us up at our new Woodlands campus, or if you're with us via online through our live feed. We're glad that all of you are joining in and have chosen to worship with us here at Faith Bridge today. We are continuing our sermon series that we're calling Breathing Room, a good time at the beginning of the new year to stop take stock of our lives and ask, what is the quality of my life? Do I have breathing room? Not just with regard to my calendar and my schedule, but in many different facets of life. My relationships with God and with other people, my relationship with money, uh, attitudes that I have toward others and how I go about living my life. We're going to continue on looking at another aspect of Uh, breathing room. We're talking about baggage today, and we're going to be looking in the book of Hebrews. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand. The ushers are coming down the aisle. They'll be glad to give you one that can be yours to keep if you have a need. We like to preach interactive sermons around here. If at some point during the message you have a question, you can email or text that question to the information that you'll find there on the screen. And in a subsequent video that we'll make Uh, in just a little while, I'll take up those questions and we can go a little further in depth and address some things that perhaps we don't have time to get to in the course of the message. Before we uh, look to God's word though, let's take a minute and pray together. Father, today we are most grateful that you have called us to yourself and that you have reached out to us through your son Jesus, demonstrated to us through him how much you love us, how much you desire to be in relationship with us. We've gathered here now to worship you and to lift up your name, and we've gathered to learn. So we pray that your Holy Spirit, just as you promised, would come and be our teacher and guide us into all truth. We offer our prayer in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, a couple of years ago, another faith bridger and myself set out on what would prove to be the most difficult mission trip that I have ever been on in my entire ministry, hands down. This thing was fraught with difficulty from start to finish. Lost luggage, missed connections, bad food, substandard living conditions, sickness, you name it, it happened. Everything that could go wrong did go wrong on this particular trip. And the first hint that we had, that things were not going to go just as we had planned, took place when we arrived late at the Johannesburg Airport in South Africa. We were supposed to make a connection there to fly on to another location, but because of weather, we landed late. And looking up at the board, we saw that our connecting flight was taking off very, very soon. But we decided to give it that old college try. 
and do our dead level best to make it to the gate before that thing was gone. Now, if you have ever been to Johannesburg, you know that the airport there is a massive complex. And quite naturally, our gate was clear on the opposite end of the airport. But we were not to be deterred. We took off running as fast as we could. I didn't know it at the time, but I was in the early stages of a respiratory virus that I had picked up here in Houston before we left, and everything was working against us to make it to that gate on time. Everything that could hinder us was hindering us. But the single greatest hindrance we faced, viruses and all the rest notwithstanding, was this right here. You see, traveling internationally as often as I do, I have learned the value of packing as much as possible into carry-on luggage. Because there is nothing worse than landing in a third world country, discovering that your checked bags are off in airport land somewhere. There's rarely some place to go and buy other clothes, and so you're stuck wearing what you wore on the trip over, perhaps for the balance of the week or so. So I tend to fill these babies quite full before I leave. Well, as I am huffing and puffing and juking and dodging, carrying, sometimes dragging these bags, I find my, found myself fervently wishing I had done just the opposite and checked everything because these things began to feel heavier and heavier the longer we ran, the further that we had to go. And of course, true to form on this particular trip, we did not make the connection. One of the saddest sights I have ever seen was finally getting to that place out of breath, sweating like crazy, only to look out the big glass wall and see our jet backing up without us and taking off. It was a sad, sad sight to see. And all because of baggage. You know, it occurs to me that in a very similar sort of way, we find it very, very difficult to move through life, the concourse of life, if you will, and have adequate breathing room because so many of us, all of us, in fact, are toting baggage. Now, obviously, it's not Samsonite. No, it's much more serious. It's a baggage with much more serious consequences and ramifications. I'm talking about the spiritual, emotional sort of wounds and pain and difficulties that start accumulating in childhood. And if we don't do anything about it, stay with us right to the grave. I'm talking about things like guilt. Dealing with things that maybe happened 20, 30, 40 years ago. But we still have not been able to get past the sense of ownership and responsibility and guilt. And it just dogs our every step. I'm talking about the inability to forgive. Maybe somewhere in the past someone hurt us. And it was wrong. No two ways about it. It was unjust. It should not have been done. But we have held on to that grudge for all that we're worth. And with every passing year, we become angrier and more bitter because we simply cannot 
let it go. I'm talking about shame. I'm talking about addictions. I'm talking about persistent sin. That thing that you have told the Lord over and over and over, I will not do that again. I promise. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. And the very next day, where do we find ourselves? But right back in that very same place. It's not a question of if we have baggage. No, the question really is what kind? Because we all have it. We are all broken, fallen, sinful creatures. And even though some person's baggage may just amount to really sort of a minor irritant that just dogs us throughout our lives and and others have it to the point that it's crippling, that it disallows meaningful relationships with other people or with God, wherever we fall on the spectrum, we all have baggage of some sort. So what are we to do with it? I mean, is that really a part of God's plan for our lives? It certainly hinders the full life, the abundant life that Jesus talked about. It does not allow adequate breathing room for a meaningful life. So how are we going to deal with it? Well, I want us to look at Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews is located toward the end of the New Testament, Chapter 12, we're going to look at the first two verses. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The writer says to us, we need to throw off those things that would hinder us. We need to get rid of the the sins that so easily entangle us. Throw them off. Well, here's what I know about throwing something off. Before you can throw anything off, you have to first of all acknowledge that you have it. It's impossible to throw something off that you are blissfully unaware that you possess. The first step in getting rid of baggage is to own that we have baggage. But that's not as easy as it sounds. No, we are masters of self-denial. Now, we are experts at noticing everyone else's baggage. For some of us, that's our favorite indoor sport. (laughs) Observing, picking out, commenting on, obsessing over the way other people are behaving or misbehaving. And yet, through magical thinking, we have this blindness to the stuff that we carry around, to the things that we do to others, to the ways that our behavior impacts other people. And if we're going to make any progress, if we truly are going to throw these things off, the first step is to acknowledge, yeah, I've got it. This is my deal. This is my baggage. Several years ago, we had to have some uh, pretty serious repair work done on our home, and so we found a a contractor to come and, and do the work. And it didn't take but about 
10 minutes after this guy arrived and started work to observe, not only did he have baggage, he had a truckload of baggage that manifested itself uh, most visibly through anger. This guy was angry at the world. And he expressed his anger primarily through yelling at people. He had this poor little helper who was the uh, recipient of a nonstop barrage of this guy's wrath. And when he wasn't yelling at his helper, he was on the phone yelling at his suppliers. And when he wasn't yelling at his suppliers, he was on the phone yelling at a customer that hadn't paid up. He was just yelling, yelling, yelling all the time. He was getting the work done, so I just decided to stay out of it. Well, on about his third trip, it was a big job, his third trip over, uh, he showed up by himself. And I said, hey, where, where's your helper? And he said, I quit. I thought, hmm, I wonder why. Well, it was obvious that the kind of work he needed to do that day was going to require a helper. And it was my off day, so I thought, ah, what the heck? Opportunity to do ministry, let's just step right into it. So I did. And to my surprise, he was actually amenable to some conversation about life. It wasn't just all yelling. He never did yell at me. I suppose that's because I was paying him to <laughs> do the work. But as we're working, I'm asking questions and he's talking away. And uh, boy, did he have a lot to say. He told me all about three failed marriages and how sorry every one of those ex-wives were. And he told me about the string of help that he couldn't keep and how lazy they were and the lousy suppliers that were not dependable and the lousy customers who didn't pay on time and on and on and on and on. Finally, about 45 minutes into this, I thought, okay, it's time. So I said, hey, you know, as I've listened to all of these stories that you've told me about your life and no kidding, man, you've, you've had a rough time of it. But as I have listened to all of these various stories, I've noticed that there's one common denominator that stretches across every one of them. It's one thing that each of these episodes has in common. He said, really, what's that? I said, you. <laughs> he said, what do you mean? I said, man, you were in all those marriages. You had all those helpers. You had all those customers supply on and on and on. It's you. Have you ever stopped to think that maybe you are somehow contributing to the demise of all these relationships, to all of these problems and difficulties that you have? Well, he was momentarily intrigued by the notion, but pretty quickly dismissed it. Denial is a powerful thing. It absolutely was everybody else's fault along the way. So often in this journey called life, the very worst enemy is in the mirror. The individual who simply will not acknowledge. So what about you? What's in your life? As you look over your shoulder, can you see sort of a string of things that maybe haven't turned out the way you wanted them to? Because it is so difficult for us to see our own stuff, I often recommend that if we really want to get to the root of the matter and discover what our baggage is, the best thing to do is to ask someone. But don't ask anybody that owes you anything. <laughs> because you won't get an honest answer. No, you want to look for someone who will, as Paul says, speak the truth in love. 
into your life and is willing to say the hard thing. Yes, I've observed this. Yes, this is a pattern. Yes, this is a problem. Not to bash you, but to help you. To help you move forward. Because the first step in getting rid of any baggage of any sort is to acknowledge, I got some, my name's on the tag. And the only way I'm going to start to get rid of it is to claim it for myself. But we can't stop there. That's a good start. It's an important, necessary start to simply own it. But life goes on and we've got to go on too. And so the writer to the Hebrews says, not only do we throw these things off, but then we begin to run with perseverance the course marked out for us. That's vitally important. If you have your Bibles, I want you to underline, highlight that phrase, the course marked out for us, the race marked out for us. Do you know the reason we have baggage in the first place? It's because we've been running our own course. We've been running our own race, thinking that we were so wise, that we understood life and its ins and outs, its ups and downs, the best way to navigate. That, my friends, is a dead end. You can go all the way back to Adam and Eve, their fall from grace. What caused them to be booted out of the Garden of Eden was a decision to run their own course. But God has something better. God demonstrates his great love for us in that he offers to us a different way to go, a different route. It is a truism. If you do what you've always done, you're going to get what you've always got. Maybe it's time to consider God has a better idea. Maybe God has a plan for me that won't result in broken relationships and anger and guilt and shame and these things that I just can't seem to get rid of. Maybe God has a better course for me. Not long after we moved to Texas back in 2002, I made the acquaintance of a couple of faith bridgers, husband and wife, who by all outward appearance had their act together. Presented themselves very well, you know, always immaculately dressed. They lived in a lovely home. They had nice cars. He had a fantastic job, um, active here at Faith Bridge, and she was just a sweet, perky, happy little gal. I just like, wow, man, these folks have got it going on. But over the course of time, I began to observe what I thought were little chinks in the armor. And at first I thought, ah, it's just pastor paranoia. You know, nobody's as good as they come off. But one day she showed up at my office unannounced. Come on in, we can talk. And that was when the chinks just erupted. And she told me her husband was leaving, that the marriage was over. And once she finally got that out, that opened up a floodgate of other sorts of pain and issues in her life. We spent about the next hour as she began to tell me her story of intense guilt in her life over not only this failed marriage, but a previous failed one as well. Even more guilt and shame she felt over some abortions that she had had in the past. 
And she went on to confess that so much of her life, so much of her energy in life was spent convincing other people that she was okay and that life was good and that this wonderful presentation that she made was a vain attempt to get people to validate her, to love her, to like her. Expended tremendous amounts of energy and time and even money to say to the world, I'm okay, I'm lovable, please, somebody love me. She was running her own course, her own race. And the temporary finish line was in my office in a pool of tears and pain and shame and guilt. And I said to her, Jane, I... uh, can't do anything about the past. We can't do anything about the past. It's gone. But we can set a new course for the future because God has a different plan for you than what you've been living up to now. God loves you so much that he's laid this out for you and it's yours for the asking. You've sat here and you've owned all this junk in your life It's time to let it go and start walking in his direction, the race that he's laid out for you. You know, once in a while in pastoral ministry, God blesses a pastor with the opportunity to see someone take a hold of this truth and run with it for all they are worth. And that's exactly what Jane did. She was convinced. She had enough evidence that her way wasn't working. And so she decided to run God's way. She got herself into some counseling and into recovery, and she began to work, and I mean work hard. It was no walk in the park. There were tears and agony and difficulty and dredging stuff up, but she was dealing with it and running in the direction that God wanted her to run. And I knew that she was making incredible progress the day she showed up at my office about two years later and said, you know, Dan, I've been the recipient of so much love and healing and hope. I'm ready to turn around and give some to somebody else. Tell me about it, what you got in mind. She said, well, you know about my abortions and how much pain that has caused me. I want to start a support group for ladies who've had an abortion and are carrying around pain and guilt and shame. I want to let them know that there's hope. I said, you go for it. We'll walk with you. We'll help you. And for the next several years, she led this support group and countless ladies came in and found healing and hope that they might not have found otherwise. It was beautiful. And about three years ago, I had the privilege of presiding over her wedding. She waited on God this time and allowed him to bring his man into her life. And now they live in another city involved in ministry together, continuing to make an impact for the kingdom of God. Why? Because she looked around and realized, you know what? I don't know where I'm going. And the only running that I've been doing thus far has gotten me in trouble. I think I'm going to run God's way. I think I'm going to run the course he has for me. And it made all the difference in the world. So perhaps you say, well, Pastor Dan, how do you do that? I mean, there's all kind of directions we can run in. How do we know which is God's direction? Which one is God's course for our lives? And the writer says we do that by fixing our eyes on Jesus. 
If you want to run in the right direction, look for him. And wherever he is, run that way for all your worth. Because the scripture says he is the pioneer, the perfecter of our faith. He has blazed the trail for us, if you will. He's gone ahead of us and cleared a path. And better yet, when he went to the cross for you and for me, he took this with him. All that we're willing to give to him. And when he died on that cross, he took this with him. And when he was raised to new life, it was done. And now he sits at the right hand of the Father. And you know what he does there? He's not just kicking back, relaxing. No, Paul tells us in Romans, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father praying for you and for me. Praying that we will have the grace to own our stuff, to throw it off, to throw it at him, and to begin to run after him for all that we're worth. You and I were not intended to carry baggage. One of my heroes of the faith is Corey Ten Boom. If you know anything about her life, you know that Corey and her family lived in Holland during World War II. They eventually would wind up in a Nazi concentration camp because they hid Jews in their home when the Nazis were taking over and they were found out and taken off to a concentration camp. But when Corey was a little girl, about eight or nine years old, she tells in her autobiography that uh, she was uh, reading a magazine and, and came across this phrase, uh, the birds and the bees, and didn't really know what in the world that was all about. And so she decided uh, that she would ask her papa about that at the most really sort of inopportune time, they were at a train station, standing on the platform, about to get on a train and go somewhere. And her little eight-year-old mind, she thought, this is a good time to get this, you know, figured out. And so she said, Papa, what's this business about the birds and the bees? Well, in an amazing display of wisdom, Mr. Tin Boom said, uh, Corey, I, I want you to, to pick up our suitcase. She said, this, this big one right here? He said, yeah, pick, pick that up. So she walked over and put a little hand there and try as hard as she may, couldn't get it off the ground. She said, I can't, Papa, it's too heavy. He said, yeah, it's too big for you. I have to carry that for you. He said, honey, birds and the bees are kind of like that right now. It's it's really too heavy for you to carry. So why don't you just let Papa carry that for you now? And when you're older and stronger, then you'll be able to carry it on your own. Here's the truth about you and me. We have never been able to carry our baggage. And we never will. There will never be a day in your life or mine when we can say, I got this. I got this. Because we don't. 
It is beyond us. And that is exactly why our Father, our Heavenly Father, our Papa, sent His Son to die so that we wouldn't have to carry it. He's willing to carry it for us. Today we're going to gather at the Lord's table. And I cannot think of a more profound symbol of the work that Jesus has done on our behalf than the bread and the juice. Isaiah 53 says that he was broken for our transgressions and by his wounds we are healed. In the mystery of Jesus' brokenness, his willingness to give his body for you and for me, somehow, some way, Scripture says, we find healing. In the shedding of his blood, we find forgiveness for sin. We find the opportunity, the ability to let go of this stuff and begin to walk in newness of life. As you come to the Lord's table today, I want to encourage you to do one thing. I want you to bring your bags with you. But I want you to leave them at the foot of the cross. Jesus is here. And he's ready to receive whatever you have. So that you can fix your eyes on him and begin to run the course that he has marked out for you. In just a moment, uh, you'll be guided down front. We have an open table here at Faith Bridge. That is to say, anyone who has a relationship with Jesus or would like to have a relationship with him is welcome to come. I know that some people have gluten issues, and if that is your case, we've got some gluten-free stations on either side of the room. You can make your way there. But don't come in a hurry. I want to invite you to come and pray. And if you need someone to pray with you, we've got several prayer volunteers. They have on red shirts. They'll be happy. You just lift your hand. They'll be happy to come and kneel beside you and pray. But don't pass up this opportunity to meet Jesus here and to give him whatever you have so that you can begin to run in his direction. I was reading in the Psalter this week, Psalm 34, and I leave you with this thought. The author said, those who look to him are radiant and their faces are never covered with shame. Will you pray with me, please? Father, we receive this bread and this juice, and we give thanks for the broken body and the shed blood of our Lord Jesus. And I pray, oh God, for each person here who carries a weight that is beyond them, that you would reach out to them in mercy and in grace and relieve them of that baggage and help them to see 
you've got something so much better, so much better for each and every one of us. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Welcome to Postscript from Faithbridge Church. Here we hope to answer your questions and help you dig deeper into the message by sitting down with the teacher of the day. Hello, I am Adam McIntyre. I'm the high school pastor here at Faithbridge, and I am here with Dan Slagle, who just preached an awesome message on leaving your baggage at the foot of the cross, about giving that over to Jesus and unburdening yourself and letting him carry that for you. And Dan, thank you so much for being here with sure. us today. Uh, we actually have a couple questions come in, and so I'm going to start with the first one. Sure. Uh, the first question was, what do you do with baggage that you have set aside that reattaches reattaches itself. I have forgiven someone who has wronged me in the past, and yet they continue to wrong us. We do not have a way to disentangle from that relationship because they are a parent. So how do we deal with that? Well, it is true that some baggage is more difficult to shed than others. Uh, I'm, I'm not so naive as to think that there are certain issues in life we can just lay down and that's the end of that. I think the way you deal with reattaching baggage is the way you deal with it the very first time. You keep taking it back to the cross mm -hmm. because really there's no other meaningful answer. Right. Uh, beyond that, it's looking to your own resources. It's becoming apathetic. Mm -hmm. It is allowing yourself to be overcome with anger, guilt, shame, whatever the case may be. N none of those options are particularly appealing. Right. So, uh, I think we continue to take it to Jesus and trust that in His time and in His plan, He will either give us the grace to continue to deal with it or He'll, he'll put it to bed. Absolutely. So it's almost like thinking about it not as the baggage reattaching itself, but as that being brand new baggage, again, that you have to bring yeah, to the front of the cross. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it, yeah. Okay, very cool. Um, another question was, who are the cloud of witnesses that Paul was talking about that are watching us throw off uh, our baggage and run the race? Sure. I'm glad someone asked that question. I felt bad that there was not time in the message to, to take that up. The cloud of witnesses refers to a list of people in the previous chapter, chapter 11 who are lifted up to us as role models of faith, mm. of people who, some of whom had some really difficult life circumstances, mm. and yet they stayed on course. They refused to veer, to uh, deny the faith, even to the point of, of death, some of them. And after the writer lifts those individuals up as models of faith, he then turns and says, therefore, uh, with such a great cloud of witnesses, those who've gone on before us, let's turn and do the same. Very cool. And at the end of your sermon, you talked about how it is necessary for us to not run our own race, mm -hmm. but to run the race that, that God has set out before us. And right. then you talked about how the key to that is to fix your eyes on Jesus. And so maybe for those who are brand new to Christianity or who, who might not even be Christians yet, what are some practical steps that they can take to begin to fix their eyes on Jesus? Sure. Uh, one of my heroes of the faith, John Wesley, talked a lot about means of grace. Uh, a good way to think of those uh, channels of grace that God provides for us 
that give us access to Him, to His presence, His power, His love, those sorts of things. And none of them are uh, particularly uh, out-of-the-box, unique, weird. It's really pretty much standard stuff. Uh, Becoming a person of the Word. Uh, The the Bible is a definite pointer uh, towards Christ. Becoming a person of prayer and learning to cultivate our relationship with Christ through prayer. Spending time with other believers who who know Jesus, uh, getting their input and their guidance and their help, their accountability, being in a in a grow group, participating in the body of Christ through worship and service, all of those things I think have a cumulative effect of reorienting the direction of our life. And as we participate in those, we begin to find that we're we're looking in a different direction. Very good. Well, thank you so much to Dan for joining us for this ProScript session. And thank you all for tuning in. We'll see you all next time. Thanks for joining us for ProScript. Help us keep the podcast interactive by submitting your questions during the morning services. Learn more at faithbridge.org forward slash ProScript.